want to talk to you about Luke chapter 14, verse 7 through 11. Luke chapter 14, verse 7 through 11. Me, you know, I think I'm going to read that right out of the book itself. Luke 14, Luke 14, 7, 11. He put forth a parable of those who were bidden when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. He that bade thee him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. When thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room. And when, that, when, he bade, when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher, and thou shalt have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee, opposite of shame. Whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. I want to do a little bit on that, talk about some truth out of that that hit me again. I preached, I preached all of these parables. There's 48 parables. I preached them all more than one time. And so none of this is new ground for me at all and probably maybe not even be for you. If you read the Bible, surely no. But hopefully we can, we can mine up some new treasure. I seem to be a slow learner when it comes to God. God's ways are so different than my ways, than my instinctive ways, than my flesh ways. It's almost a shock to your system to read the Bible and to see what Jesus says about some of that. Uh, it's just not what you would normally think, not what you would normally do, not by na surely not by your nature. Paul understood this when he wrote it about as clear as anywhere in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, where it says, For that would I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. What a wording. I mean, you got to read that slower. Your tongue will get twisted and you'll be saying something crazy. But what he wanted to do, he didn't. What he didn't want to do, he did. The dilemma of, of a spiritual man living in a human fleshly body. That's what Romans 7 is all about. It's the dilemma. At the end of the chapter, he says, A wretched man that I am, and I quote this often, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? But we're glad there's chapter 8, amen. There's no, therefore now no condemnation in them are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Once saved, God begins a process of sanctification or transformation to making us like Jesus. The Bible's clear on that, Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I know you know someday, ultimately, we're going to be like Christ. First John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. We're, we're the sons of God now. By the grace of God, if you're born again, if you've repented and trusted Christ, 
you believe that he died, was buried, and rose again the third day with all your heart, you're, you're born from the family of God. He said, well, now we're the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be. Well, you got that? Boy, that's good. We know that. When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So someday we will be completely like him, and there won't be any of the dilemma mentioned in Romans 7. But until then, something very painful and a process is in full swing. If I mispronounce my words tonight or stumble a little bit, I took a big old hunk of flesh out of the side of my cheek. And I just can't tell you how that's bothering me. But I'm going to go on anyway. Amen? God uses a variety of methods to conform us to the image of his son while in this body. How about pain? He uses a lot of different things. He uses resistance. Do you find you're up against resistance to live for God? What's crazy, resistance from within. Resistance from without. Resistance from those of your own household, your own family, who resist you to live the spiritual life, but you just keep walking on. Trials, troubles, persecutions, pressures, all of that is used to help us to be conformed to the image of Christ if we respond biblically by just trusting God, submitting ourselves, humbling ourselves, under the mighty hand of God, and saying, this is the will of God, I accept it. I was talking about Brother Jim and, and Glenda, not, lost their dear oldest son on a motorcycle wreck. I've never seen, I'm, I'm going to say it in front of you, because I've said it behind your back. I've never seen a couple respond better, more spiritual. When things like that come into your life, what do you do? It causes you to look up. Causes you to go to God. Causes you to beg Him for help. And that's the position we want to find ourselves in. Because God resists the proud, but He gives grace. And I need grace. How about you? To the humble, I need grace. He'll give you grace. So these tests come in to help you. I, I found a little saying, I texted it around to a few people where it says, people come to me and says, why isn't God talking to me? God is just not seeming like he's there. It's not like he, I'm in trouble. Well, you know, during a test, the teacher remains quiet. The teacher's in the room. But if the teacher interferes in the test, it's not a legitimate test. And God and you and I are in a legitimate test every day. We're in a legitimate test. This moment in time called life is, is God testing you. And what's James say about the trial of your faith being much more precious? Yes, precious. And gold. The Holy Spirit will cause you to see the beauty of holiness if you trust him. Get a glimpse of its value. Get a grip on its vitality. Get a, a, get a, a, if I may say, gasp at the heavenly vision. 
Jesus was intensely practical in his teaching. Wow. He spared no one. The rich man was told to give up his most valued possessions if he wanted to enter the kingdom. If you'd taken that rich man, you could have said, give up this, give up. But if you, when, he told, when he told the guy, sell everything you got and give it to the poor and follow me, how would you have done? I got to ask a question before we judge the rich man that left sorrowful and missed the kingdom. He missed the kingdom. He missed the kingdom. Jesus was in front of him. You missed it? How would you have done if Jesus had posed that same thing to you? Sell everything you have. Oh, it's beautiful when you're like Chris Barrows. You don't have nothing. I envy Chris. I, I'm talking about anybody in their early 20s. There's very few people in their early 20s that have anything. But once you go through life and you accumulate, and you accumulate, and you accumulate, and you keep up, and you, you hoard, and you are free of everything. And, and you know, you know, sometimes I tell my wife, the biggest favor God may do to me is burn everything down. That way I don't have to sort through it. I remember when I could move from Florida to Greenville, South Carolina, in a green van. And I had a playpen in the van with my kid in it. No seatbelts. You had a playpen with a kid playing in the playpen. And, and you had your suitcases. That was it. It was beautiful. Don't feel bad about not having much. Be happy and quit. Don't accumulate. That's my advice. Don't do it. I'm a hypocrite. But that's my advice. But he didn't spare that rich man. I feel bad for the rich run. I feel bad for the boy. The fishermen were asked to leave their nets and their boats. Now ask a man to leave his boat. Come on now. Come on now. Ask a man to leave his boat. But they left more in their boat. They left their nets. That was their way to eat. The way they ate was the boat and the net. And without those, you didn't get to eat. Why were they netting? Because it was tilapia. The fish, what they call Peter's fish, are tilapia. They're not, you don't catch them hook and line. You got to net them. And so he asked, follow me, leave all your stuff. Wow. People who brought a gift to the, to, to the altar to offer it, he told them, before you offer the gift, first go be reconciled with your brother. Once you get reconciled with your brother, then you come back and offer your gift. Well, man, I've done enough constantly to tell you, if, if, I took, if I took you folks one by one and you got honest with me and I said, who, would you, who has hurt you and who are you bitter with in this life? I would, hate to, I would hate to say it, but many of you have a list of people that you won't fellowship with, talk to. I mean, some of that may not all that be, but you're bitter at. You haven't gotten right with them. You're not reconciled with them. Uh. Shepherds were told to give their little lamb, their little yearling lamb, the little, the little cutest of them all, you know, the white one with the perfect little face and the little innocent. This thing, shepherds through the years, Jewish shepherds had to give those lambs. They were told to leave the 90 and 9 and go after the one. His followers were told to be willing to leave their fathers and their mothers and their wives and their children and their lands and their houses for his sake. 
Matthew 19.29. Our text is another practical way that Jesus challenges us. In verse, in verse 7, look at that. He put forth the parable of those who were bidden, and when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms. Now, that's, that may be a mystery to you, but it, it's really not. When I explain it to you, it'll make perfect sense. In a lot of weddings you go to, when they have a reception after the wedding, they put your name by your plate. How am I familiar with that? They put the name, but some of them don't. Some of them don't. They'll, they'll, but there'll be, let's say, a room set up with plates and, and everything, and some of them are, 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 have put your name by a plate. Amen? Some of them haven't. What is the highest room? It's the one closest to the bride and groom. It's the one closest to the bride and groom. That's the most honored place, right? And so what he's saying is, if you go to a wedding and a reception, and, and, and you go up there and take the seat right next to the groom, you may find that the groom will say to you, I'm sorry, but that's not, re not reserved for you. That's reserved for somebody I like more than you. Your chair's way back over there by the door. Or if you, you know what I mean? That's what he was talking about. He's talking about it. And he says, here's what I want you to do instead. When you come in a room that's full of plates and full of places to eat, you go way over there by the door and you sit down. Take the least seat. And he says, the groom or the bride will look and say, oh, Corey Phillips, is that you? In front of everybody. You, Corey, you're not, don't sit over there. Come up and sit over here with us. And you'll have praise in front of all those people. Instead of shame, when he said, Corey, I don't want you sitting here. I want you sitting way out there. As practical as can be, man, that's practical. I love Jesus' teachings. It's so practical. It's so practical. Humility is of God and his kingdom. And his people are humble people. Our nature is not that way, is it? It's based on pride, self-selling, self self-exaltation, self-promoting. I did a little study on pride. Let me give you a quick, quick uh, rendition of it. Pride causes conflicts and contentions and hatreds. Proverbs 13.10 says, Only by pride cometh contention. Mark it in your book. Now this goes down to a marriage, a husband and wife. I have had a real dilemma in my marriage. May, may I confess something to you tonight? I've had a real dilemma in my marriage. My wife won't fight. She won't fight with me. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. She won't fight. And I get, and buddy, I know where to go. I know the buttons to push. I know where to go with that. I know that girl since she's been 16 years old. 
What does that tell me about her? Humble. Because only by pride comes contention. I got the pride. She got the humility. Amen? She ought to be preaching up here, not me. But God won't let it happen. He said, well, let women have it. No. But, but, but what does that do? She humbles herself. It's not worth fighting for. That's what she'll tell me. It's just not worth fighting for. She still thinks she's right. Oh, don't you think for a second that she don't still think she's right. But she's just not going to be stupid. And she's not, you know, because you know, it's just, it, what, what benefit ever have you accomplished by a big row? Has a big row ever really done you some good? No. At the end, you got to apologize, get right about it. You know, you got to pick up the broken glass. You got to take the chicken out of the grass. Stuff like that. <laughs> God resists the pride. He resists it. You know these verses, James 4, 6. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. 1 John 2, 16. For all is in the world, lust of flesh, lust of eyes, pride of life, not of the Father, but of the world. Pride keeps one from God and getting saved. What keeps people from getting saved? I've asked that question all through the year. What keeps people? Pride. Psalm 10.4 says, The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. Will not seek after God. If you fear God, the Bible says you're going to hate pride. Fear of the Lord, I taught on it. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride, arrogancy, evil way, forward mouth, do I hate. Shame comes from pride. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. You want to get shame, get proud. Pride precedes destruction. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, the haughty spirit before fall. These are familiar verses, hopefully, with many of you. Pride will bring you down. Proverbs 29, 23 says, A man's pride shall bring him low. It's a little surprising to me, years ago when I saw this in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, where it lists the four major sins of Sodom. I know the homosexuality and all that stuff was part of their sin, but here's what it lists in the Bible. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, number one. Fullness of bread, interesting. Abundance of idleness. And she did not strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. She didn't care about the poor. Now, those would not have been the four things I would have mentioned. But that's what God says. Why did I destroy, destroy Sodom? That's why. Pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness, and she didn't care about the poor and needy. Jesus' simple teaching on basic humility is so practical in our lives. I mean, just don't exalt yourself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Isaiah 57 15 says, why? Why would you do that? Well, for this says the high and lofty one that hath eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Did you know Gabriel is humble? Did you know Michael, the archangel, is humble? 
it's been described to me in different ways by a pastor one time. I heard him talk about this. He said, if Michael, the archangel, now that's the number one guy, would walk in this room, he would act more like Mason than he would Chris. You get it? He would act more like Mason than he did Chris. Not in intelligence. In innocency. In transparency. You know, a, a two, Jesus said, Jesus took a two or three year old and set him in the midst and he said, you want to know what the kingdom of God's like? It's a whole lot more like that two and three year old than it is you folks. I mean, those around him. And you know, I'm rebuked by that. I don't know about you. I'm rebuked by that. Yeah, I like it. I think heaven's going to be a great place to be. Wow. I mean, it's going to be a great place to be. Uh, Psalm 51, 17 says, Sacrifice to God, a broken spirit, a broken contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. That's David's repentance, repentance psalm. Practical application. What's the practical application for this preacher? Here it is. When we have a potluck out here, don't be the first one in line. That's real practical. Now, you older people, we younger people, honor you older people, and we let you go first. That's Bible. Amen? We honor the gray-headed, the hoary head. We honor them. We let them go first, right? And so we let with the older people go first. They take the most time anyway. There's three pieces of chicken. They're exactly alike, and they spend five minutes looking at them and say, which one do I want? Want that one? Want that one? Want that one? I don't, I don't know. I don't like the way that one looks. How do I know that? My dad, man. I could not take my dad to a buffet. I had to quit taking him to a buffet. He'd have 25 people behind him. He'd be sitting there rolling the chicken around, looking at which one. He says, now, I want one particular chicken. But we honor you. We give you the honor. We want to do that. And, uh, and, and, and you know, just to, try to, just to try to obey this and to try to exemplify this, I've asked the staff of Gospel Baptist in any of those kind of events we have that we're the last to eat. We, I like to be the last if possible. He that would be greatest among you be the servant of all. That's what that's about. It's Bible. It's the Bible. But it's not just talking about the Bible. It's trying to do the Bible. Be, be, be. But so that's, that's an application. Uh, when, when, here's another application. This is so practical. When in a buffet and you're taking food, don't take all the food you thought you'd ever eat. My dad used to say to me this way, son, you can always go back for seconds, amen? So if there's only, you know, how do you know there's enough food to go around? The women are always worried about that in a buffet. Do we have enough for everybody? So you see somebody on their pile, their plate, looks like it's going to give birth. I'm thinking to myself, that person's rude, man. They're inconsiderate, and they're thinking about themselves. God would have you go there, take a few pieces, of the stuff enough to eat, sure. I mean, don't be crazy. Don't be. Don't go stupid on me now. 
you know, take one piece of chicken, put it on there. Well, I didn't want to take too much because you preached on that a while back. Don't do that to me. You know what I'm talking about. Kids often will do that. A kid will go and he'll pile his plate full. I'll tell you what my dad cured me of that is when you whatever you put on your plate, you ate. If you threw up, you ate it. I only did that one time. I begged my dad for a milkshake, 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 milkshake. He said, okay, son. He told the woman, bring him milkshakes. Keep bringing the milkshakes. I begged him. I begged him. I didn't want to know that. Please don't, please don't make me drink that milkshake. He said, drink it. After I got done with that little ordeal, I never asked for another milkshake. I like milkshakes. I mean, I had milkshakes, but he cured me of that little pride, you know, me, me, me. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good parent stuff, man. How do you, how do you, how do you apply this? Prefer, prefer the weak ahead of you, the lame ahead of you, the infirmed ahead of you. Don't think of yourself as deserving a place of honor. Think of yourself as deserving the least seed. Seek the welfare of those around you more than you seek your own welfare. Help the widows and the wanting. And maybe there's a thousand more applications of this. It permeates all of life. It shapes your decisions. It causes your mind to look for opportunities to help others, the spirit that Jesus is talking about. It causes you to be generous. And in the meantime, you begin to take on the very image of God, the personality of God. You begin to have this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And of course, Philippians 2.5 is followed by 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, which is Jesus becoming man, a servant. He, didn't be, he wasn't born in a rich family. He was born in the poorest family, you know, and him just humbling himself. You know, Jesus was so hidden because the, the disciples had an idea of God, like he was, woo, and God came as a humble servant and he wasn't uh handsome to look on and they thought of course a prince would be you know prince charming girls you know whoo you know i'm gonna have the you know bare chest down to there and the big long i know you girls i they said jesus came he wasn't he wasn't nothing to look at I don't think his physique was anything anybody would have wanted. Boy, God hit himself, didn't he, when he came like that? Even his disciples, after being with him all that time, he said, what manner of man is this? Like, you don't know who this man is yet? No. Because their pride had a hard time digesting that God would come that humble. That's what it was. He was too high. He was so humble. They couldn't digest it. They finally got it. So we go back to Jesus' words. When thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room. Now I hope that you don't overreact to this and nobody can get out of here tonight because you always want the other guy to go ahead of you and we're all sitting at the door. <laughs> You know, no, don't don't overreact. But the truth is, we need a good dose of humility. I mean, no doubt, all of us do. We need it. And I don't want 
man, oh man, I don't I want I want to be humble of spirit. I do. And God's got to help me, and God's got to help you too, amen. And may the Lord help us in this practical teaching again of Jesus and this wedding feast. Father, help us tonight. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you, it's so practical, so every day, so right on street level. Pray that you'd help us, forgive us where we've exalted ourselves and put ourselves. This world, of course, is this way. How to walk on people to get to be number one. You know, how to promote yourself to where you can overcome all the all the people around you. And, and Jesus said, don't, don't do like they do. Don't do like they do. For all that they do is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passes the way, and the lusts, and that whole philosophy thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Father, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand again. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239 947 1285. Thank you, and God bless.